<clears throat> well, thank you, Steve, uh, for that uh, dramatic reenactment of our text this morning. Uh, Steve got back from Ukraine this week and had COVID, and he still agreed to do that uh, for us today. So uh, really grateful for that, Steve. Um, our uh, surgeon missionary thespian. <laughs> Add it to the list. Uh, it's really good to be with you guys this morning. Um, today, we are going to be getting into uh, the beginning of Holy Week, if, it, if you haven't heard that yet this morning. Um, this is the triumphal entry, um, Palm Sunday. Uh, Jesus, uh, throughout his, uh, his uh, ministry, he's been going around um, in uh, a bunch of places in the uh, ancient Near East, in uh, Israel, around Jerusalem. Uh, he was born in Bethlehem, he was raised in Nazareth, and he did a lot of his ministry uh, in Galilee and in places around there. Uh, but he really has not spent much of any time at all in Jerusalem. And this is significant because Jesus was claiming to be uh, the Messiah, which was the king of the Jews. And so he was about to come into uh, the place. Jerusalem was uh, the city of the Jews. And it's like the capital city of the Jewish people. And so Jesus was coming and claiming to be the king of the Jews. Um, and so this is supposed to be a, uh, just a really big event in Jesus' life, uh, coming into uh, the king, coming into really his city. Um, and so that's uh, what we're going to be looking at uh, today um, in our passage. So if you would go to uh, Luke chapter uh, 19, um, verses, verse 28, that's where we're going to be today. Let me just pray also for our sermon while you guys get there. Dear Lord Jesus, um, we ask you to send your spirit among us um, this morning and just especially in this time while we're looking into your word. Um, God, I pray that you would give us a highly exalted, um, a beautiful vision of you this morning. Would you give us eyes to see? I pray that you would guide me and help me uh, today as I, as I preach. I just hand over this sermon uh, to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, well, let's just go ahead and start reading in uh, verse 28 of chapter 19. It says, uh, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the, at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples on saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. And those who were sent ahead of him went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? And they replied, The Lord needs it. And then they brought it to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on it and put Jesus on it. Uh, okay. So uh, Jesus, you know, he tells them, uh, like a good prophet, he says, Go uh, and go find us a donkey, and you're going to go find the donkey, and this is how it's going to be. And, 
if anybody asks why you're taking it, just say the Lord needs it, and they're going to give it to you. And so they go, and they do that, and just like you said, they, they said, what are you doing with my donkey? And uh, they said, the Lord needs it. Um, and they just, and he just took it. They took it. Um, this, is, this is actually a pretty normal thing that would happen um, in this time, because um, Israel was occupied by Rome. And so Roman soldiers and officials, they could commandeer animals. And so that was like a fairly normal thing that would happen. And so a Roman soldier could just come up and say, I need to borrow your donkey. <laughs> and so they would go and they could just take it and use it. And, you know, um, they would bring it back, uh, ideally, or they were supposed to. Um, and so that's what they did. And so um, that wasn't that abnormal. But still, I do, th- I do think it's a little bit strange uh, that uh, there, there's no questions asked. You just said, the Lord needs it. And uh, they just took the donkey. Um, and it doesn't say that the guy said anything. Um, and I've never tried it, but I, maybe one of you can try it. Just maybe this week, uh, maybe go up to a coworker or a neighbor or a friend and just swipe their keys off the table. And if they say anything, just say the Lord needs it and just see what they say. Okay. Uh, just see what happens. It might make for a good story. Um, you might get punched or something. Um, but anyway, so they go and they find the donkey and they take it. And um, this is what happened next. It says, uh, in verse 36, it says, As they went along the road, people spread their cloaks uh, on the road. Um, this, usually we read out of the Matthew version of the story because it says that they laid palm branches and they waved palm branches. This is the Luke version. This is the PG-13 version. They start taking off their clothes for Jesus and puts it on the road. So uh, just... Let you know that. So maybe next year we can, instead of the palm branches. Um. By the way, uh, you guys got to, I love the, the, the kids came through this morning and they had the palm branches. And uh, I don't know if you were assaulted like I was, but uh, I, I don't know if it was the, actually that violent. But uh, I like that that's a little tradition that we have now with the kids and the palm branches coming in. Um, so it says here that they, they laid the cloaks um, on the road for Jesus. Um, and it says, when he, came near, uh, when he came near to the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And they said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They're shouting and they're praising and they're laying down their cloaks. I mean, this is essentially their, this is the equivalent of today. They're laying out the red carpet for Jesus. They're saying this, this person is incredibly important. And they're not just saying he's an important person or a good teacher or a prophet. It says, praise the king. It says, praise the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And this is a really big deal, the thing that they're saying right now about Jesus. Um, they're not just... This wasn't a thing where, they, where people would just like, hey, we really like you. We're going to make you the king. Uh, hey, we really like the miracles that you did. Hey, we think you're a really good teacher. We like you as a person. You seem nice. We're going to make you king. Um, this isn't just them saying we like you, okay? Be our leader. Um, this is, they're making a huge statement about, uh, they're making a much, much bigger statement than the fact that they think that Jesus should just be the king. And... Uh, the background behind this is that Jesus, uh, years, uh, hundreds of years before Jesus came, um, 
you had King David, who was uh, God's chosen king to be king of the Jews. And uh, he was the great king of Israel, the best king that Israel ever had. And um, God chose David specifically to be this king. And he made a special promise to David because David pleased him so much. He said, David, not only are you going to be king, but I'm going to see to it that your descendants will be king forever. So your son will be king, your grandson will be king, your great-grandson will be king, and great-great-great-great-great-grandson on to forever is going to be king of Israel. And so uh, that was what happened, and King David's uh, son was, was king, and his grandson was king, but then uh, after a while, Israel rebelled against God, and uh, God came, and he sent the Babylonians, and they ended up destroying Jerusalem, they destroyed the temple, but probably the most frightening thing was that they killed King David's descendant, and the last king, Zedekiah, uh, and there was no king left on the throne of Israel. There was no Israel left, really. And this was really alarming because it looked like God had broken his promise to the people that David would have a, a descendant, a great-great-great-grandson on the throne of Israel forever. But over time, the prophets, they started speaking they started hearing from God, and God was saying, no, there's actually going to be a, a, a root coming off of David's tree. The, the David's tree, you know, it's like, you know, we got our family tree. We got one out here in, um, in the, the foyer over there, of, you know, our whole church family over here. And uh, they describe what happened to King Zedekiah as the tree got chopped down, pretty much. David's tree, his family tree, it got chopped down uh, whenever Zedekiah was killed, and uh, it was like... David's family tree was just destroyed. But then, so imagine if you can, a little stump. It's David's, David's family tree that it was. And it says that they said there's going to be a shoot that's going to come off of this stump. There's going to be a root. There's going to be this little, little branch coming out of this stump. And they said this, from this little branch, from this little root, is going to come uh, basically this king that is going to restore the family of David. And he's going to come and he's going to be this king that God promised was going to be David's son who was going to sit on the throne forever. And so, here's the crazy thing. I mean, if you really think about it, uh, it's, <laughs> this is kind of like a Disney movie, honestly. Uh, Israel, it's, it's like this rumor of Israel had, it once had this really great kingdom and it really had, it had these amazing kings and God said they're going to reign forever. And then, you know, the king is gone and then uh, the prophets whisper about this uh, this son of, of royal blood who's going to be raised up and he's going to come and be the, the prophesied king and he's going to come and save the people. It sounds like a Disney movie. I don't know if you guys, you guys get catching that vibe at all? I, no. Well, it is like that, okay? So if you're a Disney person, just think about it like that. Uh, so this was highly anticipated and people, they were waiting for this. People, these people were living in occupied Rome and they wanted to be liberated. They wanted to be saved and their hope was this Messiah and they wanted him, they thought he was going to look like King David, who was a mighty warrior king, and they believed that he was going to come and he was going to rescue them. And so everybody's waiting for this king, and so Jesus shows up, and he's doing all these miracles. And there was one thing specifically that the prophets said about this prophesied son of David who was going to come and be king. And they said that whenever he comes to you, he'll be coming to you riding on a donkey. And so the people, seeing all the miracles, it says um, 
that they joyfully praised God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. They took the miracles, all the things that Jesus had done, and they took this prophecy of the Messiah, the king, coming in on the donkey, and they see Jesus coming in, and they say, he's that guy. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the prophesied king. This is the Messiah. This is the Christ. And so they're not just saying, we like you, you're, we, we think you're a good person, we think that you should be, we're just going to make you king. They're saying, you're the chosen one of God. You're the one we've been waiting for for hundreds of years. You're the one who has been sent by God to save us. You're the son of David. This is a huge statement that they're making about Jesus. And so as a result, they praise him. They say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And they say peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They're recognizing this is the king. <clears throat> this is the one we've been waiting for. And we're going to praise him. There's not going to be somebody else coming. He's the one. So we're going to take off our cloaks. We're going to pick up the palm branches. And we're going to sing as he comes in. <clears throat> Sadly, uh, these guys were not, um, not everybody responded in the same way. Uh, if you look in verse 39, it says, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And they're not saying, Hey, this is inappropriate. This isn't the time or place. You know, uh, maybe they're being a little too obnoxious. Uh, maybe they need to do it in a little bit more of a sophisticated manner. They're not saying they're doing it in the wrong way. They're saying they should not be saying these things about you because it's not true. He's saying, they're wrong. You need to tell them, no, I'm not that king. And Jesus responds with one of the coolest things that anybody ever says in the Bible. And he says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I would have liked to see that. <laughs> I kind of almost wish he would have been like, okay, everybody be quiet. Now we're going to listen to the rocks. <laughs> but he lets the people keep praising. And here's the sad thing, is that the Pharisees of all people, they knew the Bible, they knew the prophecies better than any of the other people who were out there waving the palm branches and laying down their cloaks for Jesus, yet they missed it. They missed Jesus. They missed the king that they were waiting for for so long. And... Um, you know, there might be, there, there can be a lot of reasons, I think, for that. I know that one of the reasons, the Bible says that they, they just straight up envied Jesus. Like, they probably would have hated anybody that was getting attention. I love the prayer that Luke led us through about humility earlier. You know, let us seek other people to be more esteemed than we are. Let us seek other people to, um, to get attention and let other people be honored and stuff like that. They didn't like that. Uh, and so they probably would have been mad at anybody who was coming through and getting a whole lot of attention. But really... I think what the Pharisees hated the most was that this king, even though they knew the prophecies, even though they knew Zechariah 9.9 said that the king was going to come through riding on a donkey, I think the crux of the matter is they didn't want a king that came in on a donkey. They wanted a king that was coming through on a horse. They wanted a king that was coming through on a really fancy chariot. 
And really, like, it was because Jesus came through. He was so humble on a donkey. And you remember what Jesus said whenever uh, he was talking to his disciples. He said, no disciple is above his master. And so if you put two and two together, if this really is the king, if this is really the Messiah, and we're going to follow him and we're going to try to be like him, if he's riding on a donkey, that means I have to be on the donkey. He said, I don't want a donkey king. I want a horse king. But here comes Jesus riding on a donkey. And the Pharisees, they did not want to, they didn't want to follow a humble king because they didn't want to be humble. Jesus was, in a few days, we're going to hear about what Jesus had to say about the Pharisees, and one of the things that he said about them is that they love attention. They love it whenever they go to a dinner and people talk about how great they are. They love getting awards and at ceremonies and things like that, and they love people to know how godly and how righteous they are, and they pray in front of people for the attention. And so they couldn't fathom following somebody like Jesus. They couldn't fathom the king that they were waiting for being this humble donkey king. I just want to ask you this morning, like, you know, that was their thing because they, their thing was pride. They were so proud. Um, and so they couldn't imagine having a humble king. They were looking for a different king. They were looking for a different Jesus. They were looking for a different Messiah. And let me just ask you this morning, um, what Messiah were you looking for? Because the reality is that this Jesus that came through, um, he wasn't really the, the God that they were looking for. He wasn't really the king, the Messiah that they wanted, but, it was, but he was the true king, and he was the true Messiah. And I think that a lot of us, we come to God, or we're looking for God, and uh, we, may, here's, we may be looking for uh, this, this certain picture of what we think the king is supposed to look like, what we think God, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, whoever he is in our minds, we think he's supposed to be some kind of way. But sometimes we come, and we really experience the real thing. We really hear about the real Jesus. We really hear the real gospel, but people still walk away. Why is that? Because maybe they were looking for a different Jesus. Maybe they were looking for the horse king, Jesus. I'll say, like, maybe you wanted a God that wouldn't have let that happen. Or maybe you you were looking for, uh, you would have preferred maybe a Jesus that would have put you in a different career or maybe a different Jesus that gave you, you know, more money or uh, made that relationship work out or something like that. Um, Let me tell you, the real King Jesus is better than whatever Jesus you had in your mind. It may not be the one that you were looking for. He may may not have done everything the way that you wanted him to or thought that he should have done it. Um, But this humble Jesus, this humble king riding on a donkey is better. We may not understand him. He may not do everything the way that we want him to. He may not be the one that we were looking for, but he is better. He is humble. He's the one who accepts the little children. 
Maybe you didn't really want a suffering king. Maybe you don't want to suffer, but he's the suffering king. And that suffering king is better than the victorious king. The crucified king is better than the victorious king. I'm try- I really, want to, I, I really uh, want to do my best to paint Jesus in such a picture that he really is amazing. And he really is glorious. And he really is beautiful. And he really is everything that, you were, that we were looking for. Um, it's just hard when we have an idea of what he's supposed to be. Um, and that was what the Pharisees were struggling with. And that's, what the, that's why the Pharisees ultimately rejected him. Is he just wasn't the Jesus that... Uh, he wanted them to be. <clears throat> if you go to uh, verse 41, Jesus came through and he, uh, you know, the Pharisees rejected him and uh, the people praised him. And at the end, this is, this is what Jesus has to say. Um, he makes this comment. I think this is just in Luke, in Luke's version. In verse 41, it says, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. I really don't like giving like downer sermons. Uh, I don't love like telling everybody to get rid of their money and uh, talking about slaves and stuff like that. Uh, and this one, it's so fun when we walk into ch- to church and the kids are doing the palm branches and stuff, and then it just has to end like this. I don't like that. Uh, I wish that it just ended with, praise the king, Hosanna, and we just kind of move on into Holy Week. But this is just the sad reality that some people missed Jesus. Actually, most of the people missed Jesus. And you know what that made Jesus do? He wept. You know, uh, a few weeks ago, or the past few weeks, um, me and the kids in in the uh, youth group on Sunday mornings have been studying uh, Exodus 34. It's that, that passage that we did a sermon on where it says that the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And we took uh, weeks just focusing on just one of those each week, one of those features. And one of the ones that just like completely blew me away was this idea of um, compassion. God's gracious and compassionate. And um, the idea is, is, is compassion, but it can also be translated mercy. It's that same word where it says, you know, uh, his mercies are new every morning. But um, it's not just like uh, God withhold, you know, usually our traditional idea of uh, mercy is God withholding some kind of punishment that we're due, and that, that is accurate. But it goes even deeper than that. It's when Jesus saw the people, 
it said, um, he saw them and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he healed them. But the word, um, it's, it really just, if you boil it down into something that's really relatable, it just really is this idea of pity. It's looking on somebody in um, an unfortunate situation and just feeling bad for them. And I don't know how you understand Jesus. I know a lot of times whenever um, I've screwed up or whenever um, screwed up is a real nice euphemism for it, whenever I've sinned <laughs> against the Lord and, or I've wandered or rebelled in times, um, whenever I think of Jesus, I usually think of him as angry <laughs> or I usually at least think of him as being so disappointed that I need to go and give him some time, <laughs> you know, uh, so he can go cool off. Um, like I need to <laughs> as a dad, um, so you don't shake the baby. Um, but Jesus, I think, you know, Jesus, is, he said, Jesus came to be a sacrifice for our sins, to be a ransom uh, for many. But one of the other things that he did is he came to show us the Father. And I think that this is one of the most beautiful pictures of him showing us the Father right here, is he sees this city, the king of the Jews is coming into the city of the Jews, and then all of the Jews are going to kill him. And he knows this. And instead of being like the sons of thunder, and like, all right, let's rain down fire, he weeps for them. How does one have pity on the people that are going to kill him? I can't explain that other than he's just the donkey king. He's the humble king. And there's nobody like him. I want you to know, we have a lot of people who, are, who have been here for a long time. We have people who come for a long time and they go somewhere else or they move. And, and sometimes this place can be like a revolving door, just like all churches. And so, um, you know, sometimes we have people for just a little while. But uh, if you're here and I just want to make sure that this is the only time I see you or one of the last times I see you, I just want you to know this, is that um, if you have walked away from God, or really if you've never come to God, um, I want you to know that he doesn't look on you um, in wrath or in judgment. Jesus said he didn't come to judge the world, but to save it. Um, and your rebellion from him, uh, he has only wept at that. Because that's what parents do when their children are away from them. And that's how he sees you. He loves you and he wants you to come home. That is King Jesus. I hope that helps somebody. Because <laughs> it helped me. And he says just this really, really profound thing right here, and I'm almost done. <clears throat> he says to Jerusalem, the city that he weeps over, he says, If you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, if only you would have known what, have brought, what would have brought you peace, do you know this morning what will bring you peace? Because the answer is the same for us as it was for them. You see, they wanted, they wanted horse king, 
Jesus to come in and to, you know, be like King David and, and get rid of, of Rome and, uh, by force and come and take over. And they thought they would get peace by the sword. Um, Jesus said, you actually don't know what would have brought you peace. Jesus is saying, me, the king on the donkey, was actually what was going to bring you peace. Humility and love for your enemies was what was actually going to bring you peace. Um, and what's, what's interesting, I don't know what you do theologically with this, but he says, if only you would have known what would have brought you peace, and he's talking about himself, if you would have just embraced me, I don't know how that works with Jesus going to the cross and <laughs> dying for our sins and stuff like that, but he said, if you would have embraced me, if you would have known what would have brought you peace, and he says that he's speaking as if they would have been spared from what the Romans were going to come and do to them. Because, you know, they, were going to, they ended up crucifying Jesus because he wasn't the king that they wanted. And, um, and 70 years later, or uh, about 40 years later in 70 AD, the, they rebelled against Rome and they said, all right, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to uh, fight. We're going to take up our swords. We're going to kick Rome out of here. And Rome came and they just completely destroyed everything and what Jesus said came true they killed you know so many people and then they enslaved the rest um, and it, Jesus is saying if only you would have known what brought you peace but then he says because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you like I said, I don't know, I know Jesus was crucified from the beginning of the world the Bible says so I don't want to go like that's um, that's probably like a Luke theological question, but he speaks as if, if you would have embraced me, if you would have accepted what I told you, like all this terrible stuff that is going to happen to you would not, have, would not have happened. And I just wonder how much devastation and destruction do we bring into our own lives whenever we reject King Jesus. Jesus has peace for your life. Jesus has a good plan, a beautiful plan for your life. It's not perfect, and we talk about suffering, and there, are, there is going to be, you know, bad things that still happen. But Jesus has this beautiful plan and this picture of your life that involves embracing his humility and laying down your life and choosing to follow him that is going to be better than if you miss him. It's going to be better than if you reject him. Whenever we choose our own way and we miss King Jesus, we miss Jesus coming through on the donkey, then it always ends up in more pain and more difficulty and more hardship and destruction and ultimately destruction for us in the end. And that is my encouraging message uh, <laughs> for you today. But really it can be encouraging because gee, there, there are those who got it. There are those who said, praise the king. Praise the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And it might have been really confusing and really disappointing whenever they killed the king a week later. But it was really, really encouraging whenever that king rose again from the dead. And he came back and he appeared not just to the disciples, but he appeared to more than 500 of these people. And they realized that they weren't disappointed that this king who came through on the donkey really is the king. And the horse king who came in, or the, the donkey king who came in on the donkey on Palm Sunday, he will come in. He, he rose, he ascended into heaven. He is going to come back in on a horse someday, all right? And it's going to be a much cooler, scarier horse than any horse that he could have rode in on that day on Palm Sunday. 
a, th- a couple thousand years ago. But Jesus, I just want to say, there's a lot of people in here who you do have eyes to see, and you have seen Jesus as the king, and you've accepted him as your humble king riding on a donkey, and that's reason to celebrate this morning. Praise the humble king, and may he give us more grace to be just like him.